0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening. We are set to continue our exploration into the Catholic faith this evening. Uh, I will set out to respond to another question of yours and, uh, once again, offer up a musing to our growing inventory of reflections into the various aspects of the Catholic faith. Uh, So first, your question. Let's just jump right in. A question that, like most questions I have received on more than one occasion, the question is this, where does the inspiration come from in the inspirational speaker? I like that. It's a very thoughtful question. It may seem simple, straightforward, yet there's certainly something behind that question. huh? Now, no doubt there are hundreds of inspirational speakers traveling the world with an inspirational message about Jesus Christ and the Christian and Catholic faith. Just this past week, while speaking at a conference, I met someone who has not been home in weeks because she is in such high demand for her inspirational message in faith education. So, I think the answer to the question really lies in the meaning of the word itself, huh? Let's consider. Inspiration comes from the Latin inspirare which literally translates to inflame, uh, blow into, to breathe. Certainly we could say that the word inspiration figures very much into the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit as we read all throughout sacred scripture, the quote-unquote Spirit of God as the quote-unquote breath of God. Psalm 33, 6, Job twenty-six thirteen, Ezekiel 37, 4, so on and so forth. This breath of God brings us back to the first beatitude, and a point I think I made just yesterday on air. There we read in the first beatitude from Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What's important for us here is to get underneath what the actual Greek text says. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, which translates as breath. In this single verse, Christ is teaching us that we are blessed if we long for the Spirit of God just as our lungs long for the air we breathe. Now, here we ought to even probe deeper into the word inspiration. It might help us to ask the question, how does one acquire this intoxication in the Spirit? Simply, prayer. The kind of Christ-like conversation with God that first sighs, groans, and breathes heavily. In the Gospel of Mark, we read of Christ healing the deaf man with a speech impediment. In a moment that often goes overlooked, Christ sighed. The word in context, if you are to go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 32 to 35, there we read, Jesus pulls him aside from the multitude privately. He put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. The Greek word for sigh also translates as groan. So the Holy Spirit turns our groaning and sighing into this most impassioned prayer. As we read in Romans 8 verse 26, as the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. In other words, my friends, our breathing heavily in the Spirit becomes the point and origin of all good and inspired prayer. I've talked about this before. It has been shared that That St. John Paul II would often start his day in prayer with heavy groans and breathing. St. John Paul II, the man who taught us so much about prayer with his words, I think even teaches us more with his prayer and action. Now, inspired prayer always includes an inflammation of the heart. Consider the inspirare, to inflame. So as we prayerfully breathe in the Spirit of God, our hearts are inflamed with the love of God. It should come to no surprise that when the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, they said to each other, what was it? I think Luke 24, verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he, Jesus, talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us? the sacred scriptures. You see, my friends, the disciples were being intoxicated with God's presence, that all-consuming fire of God, as Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 reminds us. So, you ask me, where does the inspirational message come from? Well, I hope it's the Holy Spirit. It is high time that we start breathing in the Spirit of God, that we might breathe out the fire of God's love. Amen. Amen. Now, yeah, typically the inspired message should entail good storytelling, the use of analogy and, and language that meets people where they are at this should never be understated. But all of this, my friends, is only as good as we root it in God, root it in the Holy Spirit, which is to say, root all of our storytelling, use of analogy, the kind of language we use in the Holy Spirit. What was it that JP 2 once said, St. John Paul II, all good teaching yields itself to contemplation. So, whatever methods we employ, or however we choose to express our words, all of that must be actuated in union with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, my musing for this week has us once again reflecting into another aspect of Lent. In particular, what it means to say, I am sorry. Certainly, these words are found inside a repentant heart. Repentance comes from the Greek metanoia, which literally translates as a change of mind, a conversion of heart away from sin and towards God, a conversion made possible by what? Our contrition. Incidentally, the Latin term for repentance translates this conversion of heart with greater vigor the Latin reponitere translates as to be very sorry or maybe even more specifically to regret intensely. Uh, when was the last time you were really sorry for something? Where you regretted something with great intensity? That is reponitere. That's the sorrow inside a repentant heart. Okay? Now this twofold movement of contrition and resolve to effect change, that twofold movement that makes up the Greek vision of repentance, it must be what but genuine. It must be genuine. My friends, being genuine is simply to be honest with who we are in our nature, right? Here again, the Latin helps us to get at what we intend to mean. The word genuine is derived from the Latin term genuese, which best translates as native, natural, and or innate. So the person who is genuine is innately aware of his or her original sin, huh? and by the grace of God comes to grips with their need for God. Getting inside of the Latin genuis, we discover something else. The root to that word is genu, which simply translates as knee. Knee. So it is, on bended knee we will abide in all that is genuine. Never judging ourselves to be smaller or larger than we actually are, but seeing ourselves for who we are, sinners in need of a savior, sons and daughters of God by virtue of grace, loved by our savior who is God. Hmm? Essentially, we could say being genuine is to be humble and honest, being real, being real. When something happens to us or shakes us up, we say, man, everything just got very real. Well, hopefully, all that we do and say is caught up in what is very real. I mean, I know what you mean and I mean when we say that. It just got very real but again, hopefully, everything we do is very real. And so it is. If we're going to talk about what is genuine, what is honest, then what we're talking about is the virtue of truthfulness, right? To be truthful is to speak about something for what it is, according to how we see it and understand it. There's no second step towards being genuine without the first step of being truthful. No truthfulness no subsequent steps that affect change. For example, if I have an addiction to alcohol and claim that I do not have an addiction to alcohol, I will never take the necessary steps to overcome my addiction to alcohol. So my first step in overcoming my addiction to alcohol is to admit that I I have an addiction to alcohol, right? In the broader entertainment context, I have never known a professional athlete Musician or actor who is, who in the absence of being truthful about what they needed to work on to hone their craft, was successful in the profession. Uh, the likes of Tom Brady, Garth Brooks, Mel Gibson are successful in their craft to the extent they identify what they need to work on and accordingly put forth the effort to work on it. Likewise, if we are going to go deeper in the spiritual life, We must be truthful about those aspects of our life that we need to change. Then and only then can we take the necessary steps to be changed for the better. So being genuine always includes being truthful. Only genuine contrition, contrition that abides in the humble, honest, and truthful heart, awakens the soul in its depth. So here, we ought to ask a few practical questions. How many times have we said, I am sorry, and without really meaning it, grow distant in our relationships? Conversely, how many times have we said, I am sorry, and with meaning it, have grown closer in our relationships? In other words, my friends, when saying, I am sorry, we must mean what we say and say what we mean, right? If we are going to draw closer in our relationships. And if we wish to advance in a relationship with Jesus Christ, going deeper in the spiritual life, we must say, I am sorry and mean it. And of course, be genuine about it. Otherwise, there will be no resolve. True repentance is at stake. Accepting the merciful love of God is at stake. Amen. Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be